This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right, very good. Well, I am excited about the message tonight because this is a fresh word that really I just kind of I just kind of wrote this down a few hours ago. I was having a good conversation with a young man this morning and and some of this is stuff I was exhorting him and encouraging him on. And I know that God's got a word to get to some of you guys tonight. So is there anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but things are not 100% perfect right now. I mean, there there could definitely be some improvement. Or let's just, let, we could be flat out honest and say, yeah, man, uh, I need some stuff to change. I need some things to get better right now. Amen? And so if you are, I'm just going to tell you now, you're in a great spot. You're in a great spot because you've got an excellent opportunity for growth right now, depending on how you respond to it. Because a lot of people have trouble and difficulty presented to them, and it could go one of two ways. It could totally just take you down, or if you respond appropriately, then you could really use this as a chance to grow and be something awesome. And, and you know, that may sound like, well, that doesn't sound any fun when you're in the middle of it, but telling you what check your attitude, you could have a great opportunity for growth right now. So I want to look at a verse here in 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't mind. Am I at the right place? All right. We'll, we'll get there because, man, that you, you should be ashamed of yourself of how weak that was. First <laughs> Timothy 6, 12. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. First Timothy 6:12 in the New King James and man you need to know this verse it says fight the good fight of faith fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life is there anybody in here that has laid hold on eternal life tonight yeah all right lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses and so that's something that, man, we talk about all the time. That's real to us that we are going to confess the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. I'm not afraid to say something bold in front of a group of people that may, you know, I mean, there's a risk. If God doesn't come through for me, I'm going to look really stupid later on. But you have got to get this level of boldness where I'll say it, man, even if the miracle hasn't happened yet. When you've got it on the inside of your heart, when you're fighting this good fight of faith, one aspect is you're going to have to stretch yourself to do some things that you don't feel like doing. That may mean you get up and give the sacrifice of praise when you don't feel like praising. That may mean that even if you're not in the mood, you are going to continuously speak Bible verses over this situation, whether you feel like it or not. Because there's no growth to the person that will not stretch themselves and will not push themselves and, and make themselves get stronger. And so there's a lot of great stuff in this verse. I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit tonight uh, and, 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 and look at a few different aspects of it. But I'm telling you right now, we were called to fight the good fight of faith. Do we have any fighters in the house tonight? Yes. Yes, we do spiritual fighters we've got you in here and i'm telling you man this is going to ring uh this is going to bear witness with you all right and so let's break this down to a few things here what's the first thing that he said here he said to fight he said to fight now 
Listen, I think a lot of Christians, they read this verse and they stop right there. Fight? Okay. Because I know people that are looking for a fight anywhere. They'll fight you. They'll fight me. They'll look for someone to debate. And I'm like, whoa, no, well, hold on. There's more to this verse than that. But seriously, it tells us to fight. And so I want to turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 30. We need more fighters in our ranks. We need more people that have some passion, that that are willing to actually do what the Word of God says. Because I think one major problem with the body of Christ today is there's just a lot of deceived Christians walking around. The reason for that is is that there's a lot of Christians that are hearing the Word all the time. That's not good enough. And, I mean, that may sound like, what, the Bible's not good enough? Only hearing the Bible isn't good enough. You have to be doers of the word and not hearers only or else you're deceiving yourselves, according to James 1.22. And so, you know, as I see the body of Christ and scan the horizon and I mean, I've got a lot of Christian friends all over America. So I a very broad scale here, but there's so many people that they hear the word. They may be at church three times a week. They may be, you know, posting Bible verses all the time. But you're absolutely deceiving yourselves if you're not doing what the scriptures say. It's nice to know that the, the Bible says thou shalt not kill. It's a whole other thing to actually obey that verse, right? I mean, you know, you kill somebody. Well, I know the word says thou shalt not kill. Well, then you should have obeyed it, right? And it goes that way in every area. Well, it says the God rebuked the devourer for my sake. Yes, to tithers. Well, it says right here that, that, that this, this, and this. Yes, to those that fear God, to those that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Absolutely. But don't deceive yourself. Because it's bad enough if somebody else deceives you, right? I mean, that's no fun if somebody else plays a trick on you, pulls the wool over your eyes, and tricks you and deceives you. That's awful. But it's a lot worse when you're doing it to yourself. You ever tried to trick yourself? Super hard. I've tried. You can't, I mean, every time I see myself coming, it's like, ah, there I am. But listen, you, it's hard to trick yourself, yet there's some people that do it every day. Because they'll say amen to the word, they'll hear it all the time, and that's a good, great thing to do. But it's not a good thing if you're not going to do any of that word because you'll end up deceiving yourself. Can I get an amen? First Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 through 6. And here's a story I like about David because David was in a really bad spot. And we learn from his example here on how to handle being in a really bad spot. We learn right here a little bit of how to fight the good fight of faith. And so let's check out this story. First Samuel 30 verse 1. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag, and burned it with fire. Well, that's pretty, that'll ruin your day right there, man. You come home and they burned your whole neighborhood down. Bad stuff. And so verse 2, on top of it, they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David comes back. His home's burned down. All his men's homes are burned down. Their wives and children and stuff is gone. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Wow. David's a strong guy. 
David is not a sissy, and the men fighting with him, they're not sissies. These are warriors. These are strong guys, but let's just get real. You come home, and your whole town's burned down. Your wife and kids are missing. They've been kidnapped. All your stuff's gone. That's a bad day right there. I mean, I've had bad days, but I've never had bad days on that level. That's a really bad day right there. And so it's so bad that you've got the guy that killed the giant. You've got the guy that's killed lions and bears and and faced many, many battles sitting on the ground weeping until he can't weep anymore. There's just no more sound coming out. He's dry heaving. You know what I mean? He was in bad shape. And so let's keep going here. Verse 5, And David's two wives, don't recommend that, but anyway, David's two wives, Ahinoam, the the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. They're both gone. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. What? David's own men, they began to speak of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Their soul was grieved. Well, what's, what's the soul? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when you let your soul get to the place of being grieved, they weren't going to fight the good fight of faith. They were just looking for somebody to fight. And they turned on their leader, David, one of the greatest leaders in the history of the world. They're like, we ought to kill him. He's the one that had us out there. And they don't realize he's the guy that saved their lives time and time again. He's the guy that's brought them through all these bad things. And here they are. Their soul was grieved. And they said, we're just going to kill him instead. And so all of David's men begin to turn on him. And they want to kill him, every man, for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And that's kind of what I'm going to look at here for a few minutes is David strengthened himself. The King James says David encouraged himself and the Lord is God. It's really nice to be surrounded by great people that when you're down to the dumps will come and encourage you. Isn't that nice? We've got, I mean, hey, I've got a good group. You've got a good group of people. But let's get real. There are some times that nobody is going to be there to do the encouraging There's nobody that's going to be there to strengthen you. You're going to have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and say, you know what? I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. No one else is doing it. I'm going to encourage myself. I'm going to strengthen myself and the Lord my God. And listen, it's great to have. We should all have people that can encourage us and build us up. But you are not really a mature Christian until you can start doing some of this yourself. Now, I'm working with a lot of young, brand newborn Christians right now. I was just texting our leaders the other day. I think I wasn't sick. We got seven people freshly born again in the last two weeks that are going through spiritual personal trainer. I mean, fresh born again. They don't, some of them know nothing about the Bible. It's shocking. And, and that's awesome. I love it. And so some of these people, I'm, I'm encouraging them, you know, the, the ones that I have a hold of and stuff. And, and, and it's taking a lot of encouragement. But there's going to get a point in time where they're going to have to learn this ability themselves. And, I mean, I think most people in here probably to some extent have this down. But you need to learn that sometimes everybody you thought was for you 
seems like they want to turn the guns on you now and they want to stone you and you're the guy that's only helped them all the time. What are you going to do in that moment? You're going to have to strengthen yourself. You're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord, your God. Well, how do you do that? Right? That's it. Seriously. I mean, sometimes we say things like, well, I know you got to encourage you got to. Well, sometimes flat out. How do you actually do some of this stuff? Well, I want to show you something here in Psalm 119. We'll be coming back here in a little bit. So hold your spot there in First Samuel. But Psalm 119, let's flip over there. Now, Psalm 119 is an incredible chapter. It's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, and it's all about how much David loves God's word. David is obsessed with the word of God. There's 176 verses in this one chapter. And read the whole thing. It It is all about how much David loves God's word. Sometimes he'll say, he'll, he refers to God's word as different things. You know, I love your commandments. I love your regulations. I love your decrees. I love your word. I love your law. He calls it all these different things, but it's all about the word of God. And so sometimes we see people like David, like pastor, like, you know, people we look up to. And man, I just don't get it how they, until you are crazy passionate about God's word until you love it. You're not going to get that strong in the Lord. You have got to have a passion and a love and an obsession for the word of God. There will never be a time where you read too much Bible. There's never a time that I regret it. And I, I say this, but I mean it. I never at the end of the day, say, you know what? I could have got so much more done if I just hadn't read my Bible for so long. <sighs> what a waste, man! I, seriously, it was good. I don't. I'm not. I'm not discounting that, but I seriously, I shouldn't have read that long. That's never happened in my life. There's been plenty of times where I think I should have read more today. But seriously, you've got to get a love for God's word. And so, one thing that I've done in my Bible in Psalm 119, I've just wrote down in different spots the different things that. David said God's word will do. And so, you know, uh, God's word protects. He gives guidance. It, it, uh, it, it brings peace. And these are all things I'm looking at right now. But what I want to show you, Psalm 119, verse 28, David says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me with some more money. Give me a raise. I weep with sorrow. Get the buds over here so me and the boys can have a day. No, he says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Listen, if I need encouragement, I enjoy a good pep talk. That's fine. But really, don't do that to me. Bring me the word. Get the word to me if I'm having a bad day. That's what I need. I need the word. And so David, he's in in this verse. He says, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. And so I can guarantee you when David was out there on the battlefield and his whole city was burned to the ground and there was smoke rising, men weeping, guys turning on him, I guarantee you that David began to speak scripture out of his mouth. Guarantee it. I mean, I can't tell you which scripture it was, but I guarantee you he knew the books of Moses. I guarantee you that he began to speak some things out of his mouth. Maybe Exodus 14, 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. He probably started speaking these things out of his mouth. But 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 look at this. Here's 
to take it a step further, verse 52. Verse 52. And here is something that the majority of Christians do not do and do not understand. Guaranteed is this right here. No doubt about it in my mind. I wouldn't be able to put a percentage, but I would say 99% of Christians do not do what he says to do right here. And that's Psalm 119, verse 52. He says, I meditate on your age-old regulations. What's, what are those? That's the word. That's the law of God. Oh, Lord, they comfort me. I meditate on them. And what does meditate mean? Meditation is repeating it to yourself over and over again. And, and the Lord spoke to Joshua in Joshua 8. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. For then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. And so the Lord told Joshua, because Joshua, he took over for Moses. And, I mean, Moses, like the, the goat, the greatest of all time, at least up until that point in time, Joshua takes over, and, he's, and the Lord says, hey, you're going to cross the Jordan. You're going to take them into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so Joshua, I mean, there's got to be some nerves there. And God says, all right, listen, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. It didn't say not depart from in front of your eyes, though it shouldn't. It didn't say this book of the law, the Bible, shouldn't depart from underneath your arm. That's, hey, walk around with your Bible. That's fine. But he said, it shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate therein day and night. The Lord literally told Joshua, you, if you're going to do this, you're going to, you better meditate. You better speak the word of God day and night. That's meditation. A lot of us think of sitting, you know, with our legs crossed and saying, oh, I'm and, you know, being weird. That's, that's Eastern mystical meditation. Hebrew Bible meditation is repeating to yourself the word of God over and over. And I do this. And I'm telling you right now, this works. I want to improve on it and I want to do better. But the Lord told Joshua day and night, if you're going to succeed, your only chance is day and night be speaking the word of God. And so I guarantee you, Joshua's walking around day and night speaking scripture to himself. And it may have looked weird. It may have looked funny. You talking to yourself? Yep, I sure am. I'm talking to myself. I'm, I'm speaking the word of God. I'm meditating. And he did it day and night because he succeeded. And he, he prospered. He had good success. And then David said the same thing. And David did this a lot because he writes about it a lot. But he says, I meditate on your age-old regulations. Oh, Lord, they comfort me. And I'm telling you right now, if you're down in the pits, if you're just not in a good spot, if you have got some things coming against you, you ought to meditate on the age-old regulations. You ought to just speak the word of God out of your mouth. Maybe scriptures you learned as a little child, the age-old regulation. It may not be some fresh, breaking new revelation. It may be a verse you learned in the nursery. It may be a verse that you learned so long ago. But I'm telling you right now, if you would learn to meditate on the word of God, it would start to change your life. And I, I have preached this and I believe it with all my heart. And I also know for a fact that most Christians I know do not consistently meditate in the word of God. They don't. And if they would, it would change their lives. And that's not exaggerating. That's the absolute truth. So when you're going through a difficult time, you can view it two ways. You can view it as, hey, this is my exit. This is my door out. I can quit. This is my chance to get out of this. Or you can view it as a chance to grow. 
difficulties aren't what give you faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10:17. But depending on how you respond to the difficulty, you can get stronger. I don't want to confuse that, but I want you to realize that you can get stronger through a difficult situation. It's not the trouble that makes you stronger. It's your response to the trouble that can make you stronger. And it's not that God sent something, but how I respond. I think of it this way. If you want to get stronger physically, you're going to have to have some resistance against your natural muscles. I'm obviously a great example of this. Uh, cut, chiseled, looking good. Uh, you can laugh now. It's okay. Because, hey, I, I'm, I don't even for a minute claim to be an expert on working out. I don't know nothing about it. I'm not even interested in it. I just don't want to be fat. People are like, hey, I could be your personal trainer. I could get you cut, man. Uh, I don't care. I don't really want to be that. I just don't want to have a huge gut. Other than that, I'm good. I don't care to be really in that good of shape. I just don't want to be fat. So anyway, but when you want to get stronger, right, the way that you build muscle to get strength is you have to push against something that's heavy. You have to push against something that's resisting you. And when you push against, when you resist the heaviness, when you resist and push back, it's difficult. It takes effort. It takes you showing up and paying attention. But the more that you do it, the easier it gets, right? You know, Austin, you know all about this stuff. I mean, say when you started, you started out benching like a thousand, right? Something like that. Okay. And so Austin, he's benching it. And at first that thousand was probably like difficult. But the more you do that, it starts to get a little bit easier. And, and at first people could complain, man, this is so hard. Well, I'm telling you, just do it. Just, even though you don't feel like it, push, resist, fight that thing. And next thing you know, that's not, that's not hard anymore. You need something bigger. You need a higher level to give you a challenge anymore. But the thing is, is that so many Christians, the fight comes, the resistance comes, the challenge comes, and they don't fight, they don't push back. And what this could have been a golden opportunity to really prove God in your life. This could have been a golden opportunity to grow, to stretch, to get stronger. But so often, we don't even fight back. We just hit the door. And I'm telling you, that's not fighting the good fight of faith. And you are not going to get stronger just by simply staring at the weight set and saying, well, there it is. It does exist. No doubt about it. There it is. It's real. The struggle is real. Acknowledging the struggle does not make you stronger in life. Beating the struggle, fighting the struggle with the word of God starts to get you stronger, right? Now, now this isn't the only way to get stronger in the Lord, but no doubt about it. When you react and fight the good fight of faith, I'm telling you, you can get stronger if you'll actually do it. And it is a challenge to speak scripture when you don't feel like it. Am I right? It's a challenge to sing praises when you're just not in the mood. You don't even want to hear music right then. You just don't, you flat out don't feel like it. You don't care that everybody else is jumping and smiling and grinning and having a good time. It's annoying to you right now. Is there anybody else? That's, that's just kind of, you, you, it's kind of annoying that they're so into it right now because you're not. But guess what? Here's your chance to grow. Resist. 
push against your feelings and your mood. Make the sacrifice of praise. Force yourself to do something that you don't feel like doing. You're going to grow. You're going to get a little bit stronger in that area if you'll do it. All right. And so it tells us to fight. And then the second thing to kind of break it down is, is the good fight. I like how it says that. It doesn't just say fight the fight of faith. It says to fight the good fight of faith. Well, what's a good fight? I would say it's a fight that you win. You know, some people are like, man, this guy, he was in a great fight last night. He ended up losing, but it was great. I'm like, then it, that wasn't to me a good fight. Any fight that you lose can't be that good. I only like fights that I win. And so listen to me. I don't care. Man, it went 12 rounds down to the wire, and finally he just passed out. But, man, it was a good fight for him. What? You got your brains bashed in, and you ended up losing and walking away, and the other guy had your pride. Listen, that's no good. That's not a good fight. The good fight is the fight that you win, and it tells us right here to fight the good fight of faith. 2 Corinthians 2.14. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Here's a good one for you. Is anybody getting anything tonight? Second Corinthians 2.14. And I've got this King James here, but it says, Now thanks be unto God, which, say it with me, always causes us to triumph in Christ maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. But it says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Always. Every time we triumph. Well, how come I haven't won everything? Because you weren't doing it in Christ Jesus. It doesn't promise that you'll win every fight in life. It promises that you'll always triumph in Christ Jesus. The problem is we're losing a lot of fights sometimes because we're not doing it in Christ Jesus. We're doing it in ourselves. Dude, it got quiet on Soap Mine Road on the 25th of September 2019 when I said this, when I just pointed that out. I said the reason that we have lost some fights and are losing some, man, I'm giving it everything I got, bro. I'm just, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm, do, I'm, I'm giving it everything I got. Why don't you give it everything God's got and quit? Quit being a fool. No wonder you're losing because you're trying to be strong in the power of your might. And Ephesians 6.10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Man, I'm just trying to stay strong right now, brother. I'm trying to stay strong. Well, quit. Stop that, man. You're supposed to be strong in the Lord, not in your own strength. And you will always triumph in Christ Jesus, but you're staying awake at night trying to figure out what your next move is going to be. You're staying awake at night, losing sleep over this, trying to just come up with some brilliant idea on how to fix the situation. Listen, don't lose sleep over it. Cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Give it to God. Do what the Bible says, and you're going to be all right. Why don't you meditate some scripture for a little bit? Thank you, Melinda. I said, why don't you meditate some scripture for a little bit? Yeah, do it. It'll change your life. Romans eight thirty seven. For the sake of time, let's just say it. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Brother, you seem like you're a conqueror. Don't you insult me. I am not. 
I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I am not just a conqueror. I'm better than that. Well, you sure are. No, I'm not full of myself. I'm full of Jesus. And he said, if I can be more than a conqueror, why stop at conqueror? Let's go for the deluxe package that he promised to us. He said that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And so once again, well, I don't feel like I'm conquering anything. Listen, it's through him that loved us, not through you and what you think and your opinion. It's through him that loved us. So let's flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel 30. So to catch you up on the story, last we saw, they're all out there crying, bawling. They can't even cry anymore. They've cried every tear they've got. The city's still burning. None of those tears seem to squelch the flames. But they're still there. They've, they've lost it all. And so David encourages himself, strengthens himself, and the Lord is God. So he goes to the priest and gets some advice. The priest says, hey, you got this. Chase them down. You're going to win. So they go down there. And as they're looking for the enemy, they come across this young Egyptian man. And this young Egyptian man, he had been the Amalekites slave. Well, he got sick and they're like, yeah, we don't need him. We'll just leave him. Let him die out here in the middle of the wilderness. So they leave this Egyptian slave to die. And so obviously... He kind of doesn't appreciate the Amalekites anymore. David and the boys roll up and and they're like, hey, we're looking for these guys. He's like, I'll tell you exactly where they went because I've got a bone to pick with them. And so this slave leads them directly to where the Amalekites are. They don't have to search. This guy is ticked at them. David's ticked at them. They've made a lot of people really angry. And so David and the boys show up and it's getting ready to get real, real ugly. Because David is not happy. He's angry. So 1 Samuel 30, verse 16. And when he, the, the Egyptian slave, had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And so they roll up, and here's all these guys out there eating, drinking, dancing, having a wild party out there, eating their food, having their wives and their kids, playing with their stuff, and David and the guys roll up on this scene, and I think that whatever their anger level was, if it was out of 10, it just went to 20. It maxed out. David is ticked, and so are all these guys, and so... Here's what happens next in this cute story. I went, don't read this one to the kids, right? Before bedtime, this isn't one of those that you want to just go to the 23rd Psalm. The kids like that before bed. But then David attacked them from twilight. Okay? From twilight until the evening of the next day. He's going on like 36 hours of blood fest right here. Not a man of them escaped. Except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. Those guys, they hit the road and they got out of there. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking. Either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. He didn't miss anything. He went out there and it was a bloodbath for a day and a half of them just absolutely going crazy on these guys. David and the guys got everything back. Not anything was missing. Why was that? 
What, what, what would you call this? If, if I was saying, if I was talking to David, would I say, that was an okay fight? I would say, that was a good fight. You totally dominated those guys. You, that was a good fight. And so we're to fight the good fight, which is what David just did, because he won and he went back after the enemy and got all his stuff back. Some of you, the enemy's taken some of your stuff, hasn't he? And you just let it go. I'd chase him down, man. I would chase him down. I'd get my stuff back, and I'd make him pay double for it. Amen? In fact, the book of Proverbs talks about making the thief pay sevenfold. Like, hey, you took a dollar from me. You better give seven back right now. Come on. You took, you took one of these. You better give seven back. I want all my stuff back with interest. And that's what David was talking about here. So you fight the good fight, number three, of faith. Of faith. I realize I'm talking to faith people here today, so I shouldn't have to explain this too much. I don't need to. But you have to keep believing. Man, I've been standing on this for a year now. Keep believing. Keep speaking. Keep meditating on the scripture for that. Keep doing what the word of God says. Well, how long is it going to take? I can't give an answer to that. But I do know that if I will not grow weary in well-doing, in due season, I shall reap if I faint not. If I don't give up, there's only one option for me, and that's to win. Seriously? Every time. If I'm doing it God's way, 100% success. And I've said this, and I'll say it again. I, In my life, you speak for your life, in my life, I have won 100% of the battles that I have fought in the Lord's might in the lord's strength doing it god's way there's never been anything that i've lost whether it be sickness whether it be marriage whether it be money anything if i've done it god's way i've won every single time 100 percent of the time there's been some battles i've lost and every time it's because i took it out of god's hands and tried to do it in my own way and clearly proverbs 3 5 and 6 tells me that if i would Trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. If I would acknowledge him in all my ways, he would direct my paths. Because I found out I do a really bad job directing my own paths. I do stupid. I get I get distracted. I take detours. I go chase squirrels. I do stupid things when I'm directing my own. She'll say amen, right, honey? That's true. Hey, all right. Thank you. Ow. Anyway, <laughs> but it's true. When I'm calling the shots, when I'm directing my own path, it goes bad. But when I do like David said, when he was fighting the giant, everyone was like, David, you're nuts. He said, time out. The battle is the Lord's. Stand back and watch. And when you start to get that attitude, when you start to get that fight within you, hey, I just got to show up to the fight and I'm going to win. I'm going to I just got to show up and do what God's word says. And I'm going to win this thing. And David got a hold of this. The last verse I want to read tonight is Hebrews 12 two. Hebrews 12 two. But you, we've got to get a hold of this that man, if we'll fight the good fight, if we will be persistent, if we will not give up, if if I could get. 50 Christians to meditate scripture on a daily basis, day and night. I'm telling you right now, man. Oh, you have no idea the things that God would start to do for you. 
eye has not seen nor has ear heard. Amen. So Hebrews 12 two, the NLT, this is talking about Jesus. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. So Jesus had a fight to fight. Jesus had something that he had to handle. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Listen, he's seated in the place of honor. He disregarded its shame. Jesus didn't wimp out when it was time for the fight. Jesus didn't take the easy way out. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, if I wanted to, I could get out of this right now. I do not have to do this. He said, no one's taking my life from me. I'm giving my life away. I don't have to die on the cross. If I wanted, I could ask God to send six legions of angels right now and get me out of this. But I'm not going to. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. And Jesus did it, and he didn't lose. And now he's seated at the place of honor in heaven. And so I know that I never had as big a battle to fight as Jesus did. No way, not, not a chance in the world that I've ever been responsible for all of humanity's sins and shortcomings and mistakes and everything else. But Jesus was, and he didn't care. He didn't let that stop him. He fought the good fight, and it was a good fight because he won. Yeah, he was down in hell for three days. It took a minute. It took a minute. It was an instant. He fought, but he won. And your fight may take a minute, but if you won't quit, you'll do it God's way. you learn to meditate some scripture. I've said it about 15 times now, so hopefully it's clicking somewhere. Listen, if you'll learn this, watch what God can do in your life. It'll be a good fight because you're going to win because you're always going to triumph in Christ Jesus. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.